Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Praise God. On Wednesday, we said something profound. We were talking about um, Ephesians, how that uh, the Bible describes the church as being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. And the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And how that we are built together as one big building. Meaning that each of you are a block. You are one block that has been built together to form a big house. Do you remember what we said? So we also said that because we are being built together as one mighty huge building with Jesus Christ who is the cornerstone. We are saying that someone like you who is an amazing block in the house of God, you were put on the cornerstone. You were put on Christ. And they said in the scripture, the person who wrote the scripture, who wrote Ephesians? Paul. Paul said that your block was put on Jesus Christ and your block fits as you are. You didn't underlap. You did not overlap. You fit on Christ. So you are not a one block by yourself. It feels like my words are bouncing back. Those of you who were here on Wednesday, we have to continue in this anointing. Don't don't do like this now. You see all those things, it makes the anointing flow. Praise God. But, but what is it trying to say? What, what we're trying to say is that um, you, you cannot be a block by yourself. Because it's about a building, not a block. And what we also said is that the same block that was used to build other great men and women who are individual blocks that have been put on the foundation years before you came, it is the same material that made you. So what we said on Wednesday is that it's the same cast, the same building material. Because the Bible says that we are fitly framed. Is it fitly? We're we're fitly, we're fitly framed, meaning that we were made off of the same material. Say with me the same. So we are used to um, paint a picture of a progressive building that is going on. And that building is one whole fit in the body of Christ. So people like the Smith Wigglesworth, people like A.A. Um, a. Allen, people like Archbishop Benson Idahosa, you are being built on top of those people. And you know what? The good thing is that you complete them. Because the house is not complete without you. The house is not what? Complete. Without you. Say this with me. The house is not complete without me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we also said on Wednesday that um, because of this unique fit that we have, if you decide to be an individual block all by yourself, you are cheating your brothers. Okay? You are a fantastic block by yourself. Not understanding the fitting of the house. And you want to do things 
without you being associated with the body of Christ. You know, have you heard people who say, I can do all I want to do, worship God in the house, and I don't need to be a part of church? Have you heard people say that? That I can give, I can send my seeds, I can intercede from my room. I don't need to join the body of Christ. You see all this thing, coming to church together is not my thing. Have you heard people say that? Uh, you are an alone block. You are a, a lone block. You should be joined together. The Bible says do not despise the gathering of the brethren. Praise God. Help me ask your neighbor. I say, I hope he's not talking about you. <laughs> Tell the other person, say, I hope the preacher is not talking about you. You are a fantastic giving block. You are devoted. We're not saying you are not praying in your room. But join the brethren. And because we are one house. Am I making sense to you? We are what? One house. We are not an alone block. Because if you don't, you complete the house. Because we are saying also that the next level for the building is dependent on you. This thing is not complete without you. If that revelation sits in your spirit, you would understand that your place in the body of Christ is so important. I was sharing with the workers yesterday and I said to them that when the master came and he gave talents to three people, he said, uh, the first one he gave how many talents? Five. Second one he gave two. And the third one he gave one. The one he gave five multiplied the five and it became how many? Ten. The one he gave two multiplied the two became four. The one he gave one did what? He hid it. Well, that's not my emphasis for tonight, but the point is, you see, that guy exposed his fears and buried his talent. You should do the opposite. Expose your talents and bury your fears. See, in the face of adversity, keep giving out what you have inside. Keep doing your ministry. In the face of adversity, there are some things that God didn't take away from Paul. Paul, the Bible says that Paul prayed how many times? Three times for the thorn in the flesh to leave. He did not leave. God was trying to say to him that my grace is sufficient. This one will not go. I don't know who is there yet. But there are some things that are not just going. You've been, it's not as if you haven't prayed. Though. The conversation is not that you are not fasting. The conversation is not that you are faithless. But this thing is not just, it's not just happening. But God is saying that my grace. Are there people here? God is saying that what my grace is sufficient for you. That in your weakness, that's when I'm strong. Uh, yes, we said be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. You are a mighty man, you are good all by yourself, but <laughs> you see, some of these battles, you will win them from the place of deficit. Not from the place of your competence. Yeah, because sometimes God, God wants to just show that you, you can win without being strong. I see places where Jesus would rise up from the place of strength, from the place of prayers, and from the place of authority, and he would rebuke the wind, or he would cast out devils, he would do great things. But there was also a place where Jesus was sleeping, and from sleep, sleep is the place where they say you are weak. Am I rhyming? (laughs) Sleep is where, is the place where they say you are weak. That place where it's like a deficit, where Satan is supposed to operate and work on your mind. Saying that because you are not right. So therefore you should not expect the right result. Those strongholds are they are coming down. 
Yeah, you know I've told you before that you should have a constant expectation of good. Constant. That even when you are prepared and when you are not prepared, there should be a constant expectation of good. Because, see, safety is of the Lord. I know you prepared the horse for battle. And, but the, the safety is not coming from your preparation. It's coming from what? From the Lord. So Jesus rose up from sleep and he rebuked the wind. And he said, peace be still. You know what they say about sleep now? Mm-hmm. A little sleep. You know those scriptures? <laughs> that will flash in your spirit. A little sleep. A little slumber. So shall your poverty come. <laughs> Enough. Am I telling you to be lazy? No, if you, if, help me now. Am I telling you to be lazy? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying don't put your confidence in your working. Walk. The race is not to the swift, not the battle to the strong. What the Bible is actually trying to say is be swift, be strong, but don't put your confidence there. Pray. But your confidence is not in the prayer. Your confidence is while you are praying, it's in God. Is there a difference? I don't put confidence in how long I've prayed. Because things will happen whether you pray or not. (laughs) Okay, this thing I'm saying, am I breaking some molds in the mind here? I will keep talking. Amen. Those words, they are coming down today. And today, they are coming down. Say, Pastor Phil, I hope you are not teaching the church not to pray. God forbid. Prayer is like eclipse. I've told you before. Eclipse is when, when, when two rea- realities are aligning. That's what eclipse is. Prayer is like the eclipse of the sun. When you see the moon coming between the sun and the earth and there's darkness all over. That's what prayer is like. So prayer helps you to align the realities of the spiritual to the natural. So prayer is powerful. But you see, if you're a believer who is thinking that it is until you have prayed... That's when it will only happen. You have put yourself in the place where you have thought that prayer has become your salvation. See, from the place of your confidence, you know I said to you before that the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and what? Bringing everything to the obedience of Christ. What did we say the obedience of Christ is? Your last card checkup. <laughs> Praise God. We said the obedience of Christ is your last, is your, is your joker. We are saying that things will work for you not because you obeyed. But because Christ obeyed. He said bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So it is not your obedience that will bring the result. Okay? Obedience is good. Obedience is key. Obedience is necessary. Because God delights in those who obey. Okay? So don't get fooled about that. But I'm, I'm telling you that if you put your entire hope on the fact that you must obey your love for God, how constant and how consistent is it? So what you're trying to say is that the the only time where you should expect good is when your love for God is high. As a believer, if you know, 
if you know, you can never be disadvantaged. Many of us don't know what Jesus did for us. If, if you know that by the obedience of Christ, you have access into the things of God. Hallelujah. How many of you remember the um, the the, seven, the the lampstand, the golden lampstand in the tabernacle? You remember that lampstand? The lampstand that has, yeah, yeah, this thing. Praise God. This is the lampstand. This is the golden lampstand in the temple. Now, how many branches are to the right? There are three branches and three to the left. And there's a, there's a major one uh, in the middle. That's like the stem. Okay? So, the lampstand. I, I want to show you something about the lampstand. Okay? Can we open the scriptures? So, it won't look like we never opened the Bible. Exodus 25 from verse 31. Exodus 25, 31 to 36. Alright, so let's start from 31. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Let's read it together. We're we're going to read just um, six verses. Alright, so let's read it together. One to go. You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. No, I prefer the King James. King James. I like the hammered. But I want to talk about something. We are going to hammer. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Let's go. You like that part. Want to go. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches... His bowls, his knobs, and his flowers shall be of the same. Next verse. Shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Next verse. And in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knobs and their flowers. And there shall be a knob on the two branches of the same. And a knob on the two branches of the same. And a knob on the two branches of the same. According to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. Verse 36. Their knobs and their branches shall be of the same. All it shall be one beaten work of pure gold. See, this is symbolic because when the Bible is describing the candlestick, they take a, a large chunk, a huge bunch of, the, of, the, of, of gold and begin to beat the gold out to form what we call the candlestick. So the point that I'm trying to make you understand is that the candlestick was beaten out to the shape that it takes. It says to us that they didn't put gold as the base and the branches are plastic and the other branch is silver and maybe the top part is bronze. The Bible says it's the same. It's the same bunch 
that is beating out to form the branches. I hope you are following the trend of thought. Because if, if you see the fruit bearing part of this kind of an analogy in John chapter 15 where Jesus says that I am the brand, I am the vine, you are the branches, you are the fruit bearing part. So you grow out of the stem. You grow out of the vine. Which means that the branch is not different from the vine. So, that part where the Bible says that it is all of the same, it is beaten from one piece. It is beaten from one metal. You know, when the Bible talks about metal, there are about three metals that are very symbolic. The first metal is brass. second one is what? Silver. And the third one is gold. Brass. Brass signifies judgment. You remember when Moses with the children of Israel in the wilderness where snakes started to bite them and the Bible says that Moses lifted up the brazen serpent and as the children of Israel saw the brazen serpent they lived so sin was judged and because of that the people were able to live and that's the same thing it is even with the brazen altar they put the animal on the brazen altar so there is an exchange of the sins of the people and the animal that is on the brazen um, um, altar. So, therefore, brass is symbolic of judgment. But silver is also symbolic of something else that is very important. Silver is symbolic of redemption. So, when you see silver in the Bible, it's talking about redemption's cost. Somebody who is an offendant, they take silver to exchange the person, okay, from the law of whatever he must have caused, whatever offense that he must have um, committed, they will give silver in exchange for that person, and that person is free. How many pieces of silver was Jesus sold for? So, 30 pieces of silver that is the cost of redemption. So, when you see silver in the Bible, it's talking about what? Redemption. If you see gold in the Bible, gold is talking about divinity. Gold is what silver has saved you into. So, gold is redemption's plan. Because redemption is bringing you into the place of divinity. That's why when you go to heaven, what does the Bible say the streets are filled of? The Bible says the streets are filled of, of gold. So, it is symbolic that if you see all the metals in the tabernacle, all the metals are overlaid with gold. But you see this candlestick. It's not as if the candlestick has wood inside. And then there is gold on top of the wood. No, the candlestick is a different piece of metal because it is one bunch of metal, gold, and it is beaten out, meaning that we're of the same stock with Jesus. Is somebody following what I'm saying? There there is no difference. What, What it takes for Jesus to fulfill his ministry, this passage is saying that it is the same thing it will take for you to be the light shining part of the world. Because if you look at the candlesticks, there is light shining at the different branches. Am I correct? So what it means is that the part that was beaten out and becomes the light bearing part, who is the light of the world? No, see, how many people here are coming? You say, you are. So who is the light of the world here? I don't know if your own light is local light here, but how many international lights do I have here? You say, we are the light of the world. You are the light-bearing part 
okay, of this talk. So what he's saying is that the part that was from the core of the ministry of Jesus is what the, is what you came out from. They beat Jesus to form you. I don't know if you understand it. The metal did not change. Are you following what I'm saying? The metal did not change. It is the same piece. And so when the Bible says that you and him are one, if you see Hebrews 2 verse, verse um, I think it's verse 12 or 22, Hebrews 2 verse 12, where, where the Bible says that the person who sanctifies and the one who is sanctified, all of us were one. He's, he's, he's saying that you and Jesus, Jesus who sanctifies you, he says you are so one with him that there is no difference between both of you. And the Bible also says that he's therefore, because of that fact, he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Which means that if I see Jesus, I'm seeing myself. Why do you think the Bible is saying that Jesus is saying, I will cleanse the church by the washing of water, by the word. And I will present the church to myself without spot, no wrinkle. He's saying that the church will be without spot, no wrinkle. For the one reason that we're the same. You can see wrinkles. The father cannot. You can see flaws. If, you see, I don't like church people. Church people, they are not straightforward people. I, don't, I hate coming to church. You know, have you seen those kind of people before? I don't like church people. I see if they are not one. <laughs> As if you, are not, you don't go to church. I don't like church people. Blah, 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 blah. But do you know what? God does not see all these things that we are seeing. Because if God would open his mouth... Or if Jesus will open his mouth to say that this church has spots and wrinkles, it means that he has spots and wrinkles because we are from the same piece. What does the Bible mean when Jesus says we are bone of his bone and we are flesh of his flesh? The you that you are seeing yourself with the mirror in the house is not the you. Do you know there is no improvement of your born again spirit? There is no improvement because there is no higher level of you in Christ. You are just the one catching up. Your mind. Your, so, so when the Bible is saying, renew your mind. He's saying, come to terms with who you are in Christ. He said, come to terms with who you are in the spirit. Because who Jesus is is who I am. If you keep reading, he's saying it is beaten of the same piece. It is hammered of the same piece. What does hammered? You know, we read hammered now. People are thinking money, but wait, it's, it's cross. It's cross. It's Jesus that was beaten. <laughs> it's Jesus that was beaten. He was beaten. It was out of the agony of Jesus that the church was formed. And the reason why they, they had to tell the priests in those days to hit with a hammer the metal iron of uh, the metal piece of gold is to symbolize that in the future Jesus was going to be beaten. That's the reason why he was beaten. He was beaten for you to come out. Have you seen people who say, "I don't know why they beat Jesus," and when he, when when it comes to Easter period, they're very sad. Jesus should not have died. 
you know, you, you begin to have, because of your love for Jesus now, you begin to have self-pity for him. Those cursed be those Roman soldiers who crucified my Lord and Savior Jesus. Wait now, how did he save you? I bless God because he was beaten. <laughs> Easter is not the time for sorrow. Easter is the time for rejoicing. Because if he did not die, where will we be? We will be where we were. (laughs) If not for God, God has delivered us from many things. There are some of you where he delivered you from. Hmm? You'll be thinking now, be thinking, go back. (laughs) Go back and think where he's bringing you from. Even many of you who... See, <laughs> let's, let's, let's leave this thing. God has brought... There are many of us who would have done havoc in the kingdom of darkness. But thanks be to God who delivered us. And he gave us a better cause to live. So I'm happy he was beaten. He was beaten that the church be formed. Yes. So... Uh, there is something that is very peculiar about this stick. The Bible says that the corpse, which is these bowls, those things there, they are, the, the flower there, okay, they are shaped like the almond. Who has heard about the almond tree before? Yes, they are shaped like the almond. If you look at the almond, I was studying the almonds some um, weeks ago, and I found out that the almond is one of the trees that is the first to harvest. Whilst other trees are sleeping from winter, if you plant the almond in January, by March, it begins to blossom, you begin to see fruits, you begin to see flowers, it's already matured. So the almond in the Hebrew is actually described as the first to wake. That's the almond. It is the first to harvest. That's the almond. So there is a reason why God asked that this candlestick, some parts of it, the bowls, be designed like the almond. What is the almond trying to say to us? The almond speaks of resurrection. He's saying that, he's saying that you who was beaten out of the main stalk, there is a connection between you and the branch. And it's not as if you are plastic, you are still gold. But there is a shape that connotes your behavior. And that shape is the description of the almond, which is the first to wake. No wonder God calls Jesus the firstborn amongst many brethren. It is symbolizing that Jesus is the first to wake. He says, he says, this day have I begotten you, so therefore you are my son. Jesus was the first to rise. And because he rose, everybody rose with him. So, I told you before that your level changed. Before he, from the time he was alive, to the time he was about to die, and to the time where he rose. Your level changed. Your level changed from being a follower to being a friend. I love the song, I'm a friend of God. It's a good song. But we are more than friends. We're now brothers. Eh? We're now what? 
We're not fellows. You miss Wednesday. He said, we're not fellows. We're fellows. Fellow is, is, is the coming together of people with same qualifications. So what qualified Jesus as Jesus? God is saying, I'm putting you in that class. Do you remember when I said we're in the God class? Not be Joko. I'm in the God class. So what the Bible is saying is that this beating work of metal is joined by one fact that Christ resurrected which is the first to wake. That's the almond. Do you remember the story of Aaron? When the Bible says that the children of Israel rejected Aaron's authority. Calabar, something is going to happen this evening. Mm. When the children of Israel rejected Aaron's authority, they said Aaron is no longer a priest. That we want to choose our own priest. And God said, okay, this is what you're going to do. Bring the people you want to be priest. And let them put their rods. The next person who I will, or the person I'm going to choose as priest is the one whose rod will bud in the morning. So Aaron kept his rod. All the other men kept their rods. The Bible says that when the next morning came, the person whose rod budded was Aaron's rod. But the Bible describes that it brought forth almond. Can I show you? It, it's in Numbers Numbers chapter I, I wrote it down. Numbers Hallelujah. Numbers 17 verse 8. Numbers 17 verse 8. If you have it quickly. Aaron's rod brought out an almond. Which is, he said, now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness. And behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds. Had produced what? Blossoms. And yielded what? Ripe. See, ready almond. I told you what is the function, what is the symbol of almond? The first to wake. So Aaron's rod was the first to wake, showing almond. Who knows what a rod is? A rod is not a living thing. A rod is a branch that was cut from the land of the living. And there was resurrection in the morning. From the dead rod. So it is symbolic that the one who will who will stand as the stalk of which we will be beaten out of has to die. And something will come out of him. The thing that will come out of him is you and I. The people that will come out of him is you and I. So, the rod of Aaron, which is a symbol of death, because it is not a living branch. It produces resurrection. So, what the Bible is saying to us is that the connecting thing, the first thing, the first reason the first reason why you will shine because at that part where you go up out of the main stalk you give fire out am i correct you give light out and you are the light of the world so the reason why you will shine is because there is almond connected to you and what is the almond that jesus resurrected so your first conversation is that because he died because he was buried because he rose that's why i will make it See, let me explain this to you. Your first reason is not your hard work. Huh? 
Your first reason is not your hard work. Your first reason is the resurrection. Lean on the joint. The joint is the almond. What is a joint? A joint is a support mechanism. It's something that you put your mind in. A joint is something that you put your hope in. Your confidence is in it. It's your crutch. So it says for believers, our crutch is the resurrection. Hey, He said that your first way of thinking he said, Pastor Phil, why will this thing work? Because Jesus resurrected. That's your conversation. Why? Because you are leaning on the almond. You are leaning on the stock of the fact that he died. What did Paul say? Paul said, he said, if you and I want to talk about qualification, there is none of the apostles who match my work. When it comes to being a Pharisee, I was a Pharisee to the point of the law. Paul said that when it comes to the facts that I live the holy life, I was righteous by the law. Paul said that if you come to um, um, intelligence, I'm smarter than them because I'm educated. Paul said if you want to talk about being a Jew, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. So I'm not just there. Paul was both, he was two citizenship. He was citizens um, of the Roman and he was also a citizen of the Jews. So he had levels. Take Paul to any court. He's standing tall. Because you can't put him... The reason why people found it difficult to deal with Paul is that he was also a Roman. (laughs) He was not just a Jew. But you know what Paul said? He said, I count all these things as loss. He said, I'm smart, I'm good in school. But that's not where my confidence is. He said, I have... Something just happened to me now. Uh, um, I have a rich uncle who has blessed me with so much money. Eh, you see, but that's not where your confidence is. I came out with a first class, but that's not your confidence. Mm. I told you now, I told you before. Now, let me help Pastor Ideal help you uh, correct your mind about the pandediam story. I was saying to you that day that the fact that you can cook pandediam or pandediam without seed is not a guarantee that you will keep your husband. There are many women who are good with, they have gifts to pandediam. But when the man was ready to lead, he left. So there's no connection between that. I'm not saying don't learn how to pound him. Sisters, please go out for your cookout on Saturday and learn. Amen. We men are... Shut up. Are you following what I'm saying? But Paul said that I count all things as what? Loss. And I count them as dung. What is dung? Cow shit. He said I count them as loss for the excellency. Of the knowledge of Christ. He said that I may know him. And the power. Of his resurrection. It's because his resurrection. Is the reason why. I do what I do. Your confidence in life. Is because he rose. There is no confidence for the believer. If Jesus did not rise. And guess what. There is no reason why. He would not rise. Because all the requirements of justice were fulfilled. What is the connection? What is the connection between the fact that... Okay, let me ask you a question now. Let me ask you a question now. You see the AC. You see this AC here on this, this part of the building. You see this AC here. Alright? Um, the person who built this hall, built the hall, and he has not painted the hall. He only plastered the hall. So my question for you now, excuse me, is that is there a connection between the fact that this building is painted and the fact that 
this AC is working. <laughs> is there a connection? See, before this AC can work, this paint has to work. So that when the paint has worked, the AC will now come out with smile. Is there a connection between the AC and the paint? Is there a connection? If you like, but is painting the wall good? Is making this place fine? Good. But is it connected to the fact that the AC is working? Is working hard good? Is um, having a first class, is it good? Is being smart good? Is there, a, is, there, is, there, is there a connection for the believer by every means that the fact that you are smart is the fact that you will make it in Christ? See, your anchor for making it is not just because you are smart. It's because he rose. See, it is a conversation. It is your first response in life. That because he rose, that's why this thing has to work for me. I don't have anything. What do you have? You don't have anything. What you are looking for, you, you, you don't have it yet. But why will you have it? Because he rose. You are telling me, say, Pastor Phil, uh, the people who called us for the job, there's no need for me to go because if I go, they are only going to call the manager's children first. They will call the senator's children first. Before they get to my tongue, the place is filled up. Who are you? Righteousness of God in Christ? See, the reason why you will get it Hmm? It's because he rose. If you understand this thing, the reason why you will penetrate it is because he rose. A snake beat Paul. And it was a poisonous venom. The the Bible says that Paul shook this thing into the fire. He shook the beast. Paul did not think about medical care. Because the conversation in his mind, was not wired to think that I need medical treatment to live and to survive this venom. He said you will, you will trample upon snakes and scorpions. And why will nothing happen to you? Because he rose. You are leaning on the almond. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? You are resting on the fact that he died. He rose. And because of that, you will shine. It is your conversation. It is your conversation. So why will all things work together for your good? Because he rose. That is our almond. Because he rose from the dead. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering. Look, from the day he rose, I also rose with him. When I rose with him, I I was seated with him. And I, I told you before that when Jesus sat on that throne, he didn't sit on the throne before you. You and Jesus sat on the throne together. He did not lap you. <laughs> hey, Jesus did not lap you, sir. As you are seated, he was also seated the same time. So that's why you see in Ephesians, there are key words in Ephesians. One of the words is together. He made us sit together. He made us rise together. And because of that, we have power together. He said he's the light of the world. What are you? Together, we are also the light of the world. What is the connecting part 
of the fact that you are shining is because he rose. So see, never allow any place of deficit in your life determine your expectation. The reason is because if you understand the obedience of Christ and the fact that he rose, that's your conversation. May your mind be opened. May your spirit be opened to realize that there is no connection between the fact that you are well prepared and that you have the best result. Have you not seen people who read and they read and they read when they go for the exam? They don't pass. There are some other people who are led by the spirit. Yeah, where the examiner has said, he said that the, the steps of the righteous, they are ordered by the Lord. Show me your way, O Lord. As you open the book, it is that place that the man is setting. As you are praying, you are conveyed in the spirit to see where the examiner was writing the questions. Many of us, when we were in school, we did not pass by because we know too much. We passed because we had confidence in the fact that he rose. People were wondering, how, how was I doing all the things that I, I could do in school, finished, you know, and I was passing, I was not failing. My dad, I invited my dad to, to school one day and he saw the enormity of the work we were doing and he was shocked. I'm like, I can't say anything to you because you are passing your exams. <laughs> and I said to myself, if Jesus writes, he go fail. He not go fail. Jesus will not fail. It is one body. And because it is one body, it is one behavior. The way Jesus will behave, it is expected of me. That's why the Bible says, for as he is, so are we. He didn't say as he was. Why didn't he say as he was? Because he had no reason. He said as he is now, because he is in the resurrected form. They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, the Jews, the Greeks are looking for you. What did Jesus say? He said that except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies. What is the connection between that answer and the, and the request of the, the Greeks want to see you, Jesus? Is there a connection with that? Greeks are not Jews. They are not in the covenant. Are you following what I'm saying? They are not in the covenant. So Greeks came to Jesus. Said, Jesus, we want to see you. Please help me. Um, um, or they told the, the disciples, tell your master we want to see him. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies. That answer does not say, yes, I'm willing to see you, or no, I don't want to see you. He's just saying, he begins to talk in the open air. Sometimes I see Jesus there. I don't know. <laughs> don't worry, there's no curse on me. Because he says, ah, Pastor Viaka, you talk about Jesus like that. Hey, we are one. But let me explain. This is the way people were seeing him. This is the way people were seeing him. People thought that Jesus was eccentric. They thought he was not normal. And he really wasn't. He was talking from the place of where he was going. That's why some of you are like this. The way you are, you are like that. People cannot understand you. <laughs> People can understand you because when they ask you questions, your answer not they follow. <laughs> Have you seen people like that? He said, man of God, when are you coming to my house? He who called me is faithful. <laughs> what is the connection between that answer and this simple question? Man of God, Pastor Phil, are you going to eat right now? 
He said, I tarry until the day of... Is there a connection between that answer? There's no connection. But that's the way Jesus was. They asked him one question and he has moved to something else. But what was Jesus saying? He said, except the corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies. It abideth alone. But if he dies, he bears forth much fruit. He was saying that the Greeks need me, but they don't need me in this form. They need me in the form of my resurrection. So, the way I will benefit the Greeks, of which you and I, none of us here are Jews. We're not Jews. Because at first he said, I came only to the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I didn't come to anybody who is not a Jew. But after he died, his ministry extended to the Greeks and to the Gentiles. He said, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. He said that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ Jesus. For it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jews and also to a Yoruba boy like me. <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? So he's saying that the Greeks cannot handle me in this raw form. You know what many of you are doing? You are eating the lamb raw. You know what you should do? Eat the lamb roasted. What is the lamb roasted? The, the roasted lamb is when judgment has come on the lamb. What is judgment? On the cross. That's the almond. He says, he says, he says Pastor Phil, I, I like it when you read the Bible and you take very importantly uh, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But all these people who are looking at the epistles of Paul and they are, you know, they are magnifying the epistles of Paul more than the writings of Jesus. Do you know Jesus was under the law? Yes. And do you know there are some things he said that were because he was under the law. But he will not say those things now. Why? Because he said to the disciples that there are some things I want to tell you. But your mind cannot handle it. But when the spirit comes. Why? Because the spirit is a proof of resurrection. So he said, the comforter will only come after I have gone. So it is when the spirit comes. He will begin to say things to you from the perspective of my resurrection. So many of you are eating the lamb raw. You say, what will Jesus do? Eh -eh. It's not what will Jesus do. It is what has Jesus done. Because what he has done from the cross is what you benefit from. It's what you benefit from. Are you following what I'm saying? So your conversation is after the cross. Behind the door. When the angel of death was passing that night, what was the instruction that he gave the people who were behind the blood? The angel said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. So they put the blood on the lintels. But the Bible says that they were eating the lamb, roasted inside. It's a symbol that this Jesus, we're going to deal with him, roasted. So your conversation is after the cross. Let me leave that for Google service perspective perspective your conversation is on the almond see the reason why you will make it in life is because he rose it's because he rose Paul said I'm not putting my faith in my qualifications I'm not putting my faith in the fact that I am smart in school I'm not putting my faith in the fact that I'm strong no my strength is in the Lord 
what, what, what did David say when David met Goliath? Goliath was blabbing for days. Everybody who was a member of the house of Israel, everybody went hiding. Nobody could say anything. Even King Saul was hiding. Goliath will talk and everywhere will shake. And when David came on the scene, by happenstance if you call it, but I believe he came by the divine summoning. When David got to the scene, the Bible says that David recognized that first and foremost, this guy who is talking is uncircumcised because it is a covenant conversation. Brother, what it means is that my winning you is not because you have been fighting from the days of your youth. I don't have fighting experience. So I'm not going to count on the fact that I need experience to succeed in life. No. He says, he says who is this? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to stand before the people of the living God? So his conversation, the reason why I will win you today, 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 today. Somebody say today. He said the reason why I will beat you today and I will feed your body to the beds of the air is because you are uncircumcised. It was a covenant conversation. There was no conversation of how many people David had killed. There was no conversation of his experience. There was no conversation of the fact that Goliath had been fighting from the days of his youth. For Goliath to take his shield, somebody has to carry the shield. Two people will take his shield. Goliath's chest was the chest of all these men, all these gentlemen. Let me make it very polite. No, my elder is there. Let me come this way. All these gentlemen who are sitting here, all their chests put together, that's Goliath's one chest. The conversation is not how big your chest is. Eh? You are going to win by covenant. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? You are winning by what? Covenant. What was the establishment of the covenant? The fact that Jesus rose. Now tell me, you tell me now. How can the testament be effective? The testament is effective after the death of the person who willed. So before I benefit of the, the testator's will, the testator has to die. So, in this conversation, the testator who is Jesus, that's why the Bible says in Hebrews, that our blessings, they are established on better promises. Because it's a new covenant. So, after Jesus died, it's a new conversation. New Testament. That's what the Bible says when it says New Testament. New Testament is not the right hand side of the Bible. Should I say it again? New Testament is not the right hand side mm, of the Bible. New Testament is something that happened. It is a spirit that came in place of the old. On the day of the Pentecost, the first Pentecost. Not the day the Holy Spirit came. That was not the first Pentecost. The first Pentecost happened the day the law was given. When was the first Passover? The angel of death passed. And the, the, the Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. That was the first Passover. And Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover. 50 days after that was when God called Moses and gave him the law. And the day he gave Moses the law, how many people died? 3,000 people died because they could not keep the law. 
Now, the Spirit of God came. The Bible says that the Spirit of God, He came like a mighty rushing wind. Have you asked yourself, why was the Spirit rushing? The Spirit was rushing because He had to coincide with the same time that the first law came. He had to coincide with the first time that the first covenant came. So the Bible says the spirit rushed. And when the spirit rushed, it fell upon the people like clothing tongues of fire. And they began to speak with new tongues. The Bible says when Peter opened his mouth to speak, 3,000 people were saved. Same number! Same number! Same number! 3,000 people died when the law was given. When the spirit came, 3,000 people were saved. What is this saying to you? That there is a replacement of covenants. One covenant is past. Another covenant has come. It is a better covenant. As a believer, where your faith is, is the fact that he rose. As a believer, where your hope is, where your anchor is, is the fact that Jesus rose. You say, Pastor Phil, I may not have children because if I tell you what I have done in my youth, what are you talking about? You think it's a conversation of your body? Man of God, Jesus rose. You will give birth. Hmm? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You will give birth. Very well. You will give birth. I have heard stories where people give birth without wombs. Not be God make the womb. He put the womb there. He will create it. Somebody came to Archbishop Bidahosa without eyeball. You know, there's, there's a difference between you opening the blind and you putting the socket or putting the ball inside the socket. It's not the same thing. The man came to Archbishop. Archbishop just moved to the other side. He said, all the ones where they heal, then get eyeball. <laughs> the next day, the Lord spoke to him. He said, go back to that man. Touch him. The moment that bishop laid hands on that guy, eyeball formed. Fit into the socket. The guy saw. Under the ministry of my father, I've seen creative miracles. They brought a paralyzed guy. And my dad told the woman who drove all the way from Lagos then, or came all the way. can't remember where exactly. And she was crying. My dad told her, I said, don't cry. I don't know why you're crying. Let me finish my message. I'll talk to you in the office. Out of frustration, my dad said, okay, you know what? As I'm preaching, bring him. As they put the man on the altar, this guy who was paralyzed, the guy started shaking and he slept. The woman started crying, thinking that her brother had died. After a few minutes, this guy stood up and started walking. I've seen creative miracles. God who knows how to fix things. Okay? So it is not a conversation of what you did. You say, this is what I've done. So therefore, the law, have you heard of the law of karma? It's coming back for me. It's coming back on top of me. No, it's not coming back on top of you. No. No. If you understand it, you will ride above these consequences. If you understand it, how can somebody like Paul walk up to people and say, I am blameless? Do you know who Paul was? Before Paul was 
Before he met the cross, let me tell you who he was. This was a guy who made people orphans. The Bible says because of his zeal, he persecuted the church. And he killed men, he killed women. Killed children, people who were fervent in the spirit of the gospel. He killed them. And then after a while, God arrested him. Arrested Paul. And then Paul got a revelation from Jesus. Three years, he was separated. Nobody could see Paul. For three years, Jesus himself was pouring the new covenant into Paul. That even Peter, John, James, all the other guys who saw Jesus face to face, did not know the gospel. It took Paul to reveal the gospel. That's why Peter will say, there are some of the things that Paul will say. These things are hard to understand. Because Paul had the revelation directly from Jesus. He was not there when Jesus was talking physically with some of the disciples. But I shared with my people in the house when we were praying. And I said to them that Paul opened his mouth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23. He said, on the day that he was crucified... He said, what I have received, I deliver to you by revelation. That on the same day he was crucified, he took the bread and he broke the bread. Was Paul there? See, your conversation is that he rose. You will succeed in your business because he rose. If, have you seen the confidence people who do blood money operate in life? You think the conversation is about the paperwork? Do you think their conversation about winning election is about the paperwork? It's not the paperwork, so. They told them, just open your mouth and talk. That as you are talking, things will be happening. And when they came out, they started talking. And things really started happening. Because there, there was a blood that was speaking for them. Because of the stupid sacrifice one old man did for them. You who is a believer, do you know what is speaking for you? He said, he said that, see, the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Our conversation as believers is that he rose. Why will your family come back together? Why will your wife behave herself? He rose. Begin to address her from where she is in Christ. Begin to call for the things that you don't see now. Why will your children be smart in school? You think because you failed, they will also fail? What is wrong with you? You think because you came last seven times consecutively in school? You think that's the reason why your children will come last? And you are now wondering to yourself, if I now marry a dull man, it is the end of the conversation. Everything has finished. It means that my children, they are doomed for dummy. (laughs) See, if you put your faith on the fact that he rose, that's your conversation. Why will you do well in the next 20 years? He rose. Why will you handle something in your hands and it will not die? Because he rose. What is the connection between painting and AC? So don't use your life. Don't use your natural life. He said, this life I live, it's not me who is living in It is Christ who is living in me. So when motions are driving you around, don't follow the motions. When your mind is saying things to you, don't follow your mind. Stay with the mind of Christ. He said, for we have the mind of Christ. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Slap your neighbor a high five and tell him, Jesus rose! 
In fact, jump up everybody. Rise up on your feet. Rise up on your feet. Celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. You cannot be small in life. The reason is because he rose. This is our standpoint. This is why we see things the way we see things. All the people God used in life, all of them made mistakes. All of them. All the people God used in life, most of them were not perfect people. All the people God used in life, God used them in such a way that they will have no reference point for the reason why he used them. David, David, who covered up mess with mess. So this one is a man after my own heart. What is the harlot doing in the lineage of Jesus? Sarah who laughed when the account was read in the book of Hebrews. The Bible says she was faithful. She did not laugh. In Hebrews, she never doubted God one day. Sarah who laughed. No connection. Many of you, if I ask you to write the narrative of your life, you put things that the Holy Spirit does not understand. Because if the Holy Spirit is writing the narrative of your life, there are some things that are not there. You say, Pastor Phil, you don't know where I'm coming from. Where are you coming from? Where are you coming from? He rose. That's the almond. He rose. That is our joints. See, you are going to speak into things now. I'm going to give us about three minutes. Hold on. Listen to me before you start. I'm going to give you three minutes. You are going to address issues of your life based on the conversation that he rose. He said, Pastor Phil, my relationships are not working because anytime I get into relationships, something happens. Before the guy is about to be serious, he just changes his mind and he says he's not doing it again. Now that you know this one, Eh? The next one that is coming, he will not even know when he is going to the altar. It's like he's led to the slaughter. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I may be joking, but I'm not joking. Because your liberty is in your mind. Yeah, your liberty is in your mind. It is what you know. The devil is looking for those whom he will devour. He's seeking like a roaring lion, looking for those whom he may devour. There are some he sees. He said, This one, he, he knows that because Jesus rose, nothing happens to him. Let's leave him. Let's look for the one who does not know. But because you know today that your life is hinged on the fact that he rose, that's your conversation. So in the next three minutes, begin to address issues of your life. On the conversation that he rose. On the conversation that he rose. On the conversation that he rose. That is your almond. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you with judgment, you will condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of God. Because your righteousness is not of you. But your righteousness is of him. You are doing well because he rose. 
You will succeed because he rose. You will prosper because he rose. That's our almond. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.